Hello and welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb. And as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa on a Monday night, starting the week <laughs> off hot. How are you? Dustin? Big Monday. That's right. it feels like 45 it's the new podcast. big Monday. This is the real big Monday. <laughs> How are you, man? Yeah, we will probably we'll probably have some random days during the summer, just when it's not when baseball's over, softball's over, football's obviously taking a break until June. So we'll probably be all over the place. But normally we, as you guys know, we go on Tuesday. So going a little earlier this week, but hey, I feel good. Yes. I mean, literally starting the week off so hot. It's it's 115 degrees in Oklahoma City. We're on the podcast. I mean, it literally couldn't be hotter uh, in Oklahoma. And we have some City. news for a Monday that we'll get to. We later. do have some news. Uh, yeah, it, and it will be a fun podcast. I apologize in advance. I've like I've lost my voice for no apparent reason at all. So uh, if it sounds more sultry and better than normal. It's because I'm it does, losing it. It actually yeah. does sound okay. good. Okay, nice. Uh, Not better than normal. But yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, well, this is way better. No, well, glad things are good in your world, Dustin. I hope you had a wonderful Mother's Day. This would be this would have been the first Mother's Day with your family to, to celebrate uh, with, with yeah. your wife now. So that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it was. We, uh, we had a good time, hung out with both families, uh, got to hang out just us and the baby. So it was fun. How was yours? It was great. Uh, we were actually supposed to be in Wichita. I didn't think I was going to share this on the podcast, but it's too funny. You'll have moments like this as, as your daughter grows up like that. Like it couldn't have literally like you couldn't write it down and it happened any other way. So last weekend we were supposed to be in Texas uh, and I'll make this quick. We we're supposed to be in Texas. We load up the car, uh, head south, hit traffic, all this stuff. And, and Olivia throws up. My daughter throws up um, and we turn around. We get all the way to Paul's Valley and, and turn around. Uh, and she had a stomach bug last week. So it was a good thing that we turned around. So Friday this week, we were supposed to be in Wichita for Mother's Day. And I'm loading the car up and I get a phone call on Friday afternoon around 3.30. I mean, I'm like 10 minutes from going to pick her up. And daycare says, hey, you got to come pick her up. She threw up. Oh my God. <laughs> weekends in a row. It's on, it was really unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Too I much party it, something, something was in the air. Uh, I, I don't know. Anyway, is she okay now? She's great. She was, it was literally like this 12 hour thing twice. And, uh, it, but it did impact the reason I shared that it did impact our mother's day weekend. We really didn't do a whole lot. Uh, so, but it was nice weekends at home watching Oklahoma state softball, baseball. It, it was nice. We, we, we didn't, uh, yeah. let it go unused for sure. No, so that's awesome. Well, glad she's feeling better. Yeah, me too. Well, I'm glad you had a good Mother's Day weekend, Dustin. Glad to hear it. But we do have plenty to get to uh, this week. And I think we start off, obviously, Big 12 spring meetings just took place. Not a ton of, of, of noteworthy stuff coming out of it, but a couple of interesting notes. And Dustin, I'll throw it to you uh, to kind of give us the breakdown there. Yeah, so they were out in uh, Blue Arizona this week. 
for the Big 12 conferences. I know from Oklahoma State, Chad Weiberg was there. Uh, senior women's administrator Karen Hancock was there. Mike Boynton, new women's basketball coach J.C. Hoyt, and obviously Mike Gundy in Scottsdale for those meetings. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. So, Cade, we were talking off air. BYU, Cincinnati, and Houston were all there. And I believe some representatives from UCF were there as well. I know Gus Malzahn was not because I saw Gundy had some quotes about that. But kind of cool that the new schools are there. Gundy made several comments I saw talking about the meetings to the media, just talking about how he's the most tenured guy there. And it's really weird. <laughs> he said, like, even from last year, he's or the last time they met, he he doesn't even remember that many people. It's a lot of new faces. So, you know, he over-exaggerates some of that stuff. But it is yeah, kind of crazy because sure. he's been there for a really long time. And he's one of the most tenured coaches in college football, probably in all of college sports. But um, he talked about some of the things that came out of it that I thought were interesting, talked about how the transfer portal is an issue and they're looking at a window or windows we've seen already with the closure we talked about on May 1st and the reopening in August, but talked about even making some tweets to that even more to give teams more time to balance out their 85 scholarship limit. So he thought that was good. He thinks that stuff's going to work from what he's heard. And then Cade, the only other thing that I thought was really interesting was there was talk about going to divisions or keeping the round robin format, especially since the Big 12 will be at, will most likely be at 14 teams before OU and Texas leaves with the new teams being able to kind of get out of their contracts and BYU being able to come in. So Gundy's thought was whatever they decide with 14, he thinks they should keep with 12 teams as well. So if they want to go divisions, if they want to go round robin, he said, let's pick a plan and kind of decide on it. I, I, do you really have a preference out of either of the, either of those scenarios, the round robin or the divisions? I, I do like the idea of divisions in a 12-team conference. I, I think round robin is it's, – it's almost impossible to me at, at 14 mm -hmm. or 12 teams. I think you have to have divisions, but I do like – I really love the idea of keeping whatever they decided – when they go to 12, if they decide on divisions, keep it when they go to 12. Um, and the other thing I'll say, like, what, what's your stance? I mean, what did you think about the idea of, of, you know, even pulling back the transfer portal window a little bit more to me, like, you know, the obvious caveat that people are going to throw back at it is, Oh, well, can coaches, uh, is there only a window that they can leave their job now, which may not be a terrible idea, but that's the immediate thing that people are going to say. It's like eye for an eye. So um, that's going to be something for them to overcome. I don't necessarily know what the right answer is, but definitely some interesting stuff there. I don't, I don't know what your stance is. Yeah. If you look, if you look at it in a vacuum, so if we leave the coaches out of that, I know you can't really do that for the greater argument, but just specifically talking about the players, I do think it would be great to have it a little bit more structured and what we, we even talked about this with one of the listener questions from last week, talking about ways to kind of stop all the movement and everything and keep, keep the teams together, make it, you know, to where a player can't just transfer if he doesn't get to start, is to bring back the rule in effect to where a player has to sit if he transfers at any time. Yeah. Well, if you make these windows a little bit tighter, it effectively will bring that back into play. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. The players would still be able to transfer during a certain period of time, but if they don't hit it in that window, they can't just leave it any time. They have to sit out a year if they're going to do that. So that's kind of where we're at right now. I, I don't know how much tighter they can make it, but I do like that they went ahead and implemented that yeah. back that May 1st rule. Yeah. And I would think you, you nailed it. I mean, it, whether you can uh, effectively 
remove uh, the immediate transfer rule or whether you can literally remove it and, and force a sit out of one year. I think the amount of freedom that's been given, it was almost given with no um, like foresight into the future of what it could possibly, like what could be the negatives of this? It's great that these kids can now profit off their name image likeness. That's fantastic. But what you have now is an unrestricted free agency that is less restrictive than the NFL. I mean, to me, I just don't know how I feel about that. We can go on and on, but we won't. Um, I just, I really do think that whether it is like a de facto, um, you know, transfer window or whether it is literally like you cannot transfer without sitting out a year, I think is it, it's got to happen at some point, because if not, you're just going to, you're going to continue running into these boosters, this Jordan Addison situation is wild. I mean, it's literally like a, an auction at this current moment. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how everything kind of plays out because yeah, you're talking about with Addison, you've seen a lot. It's hard for teams to keep any kind of high talent backup quarterback, because if they don't start, they're going to transfer. We just saw with Baylor, they announced Blake Shapin was going to be the starter and Bohannon instantly transferred. I believe he wound up at South Florida. Yeah. He just, he just got uh, announced there. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to keep an experienced backup for any kind of kind of QB competition or depth. If somebody goes down, you're basically going to be in a situation like Oklahoma State is this year with Gunnar Gundy in there with no experience, Garrett Rangel with no experience, and then Gavin Parker coming in as a preferred walk on with no experience because Shane Illingworth transferred. That's stuff like that's just going to keep happening. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how it goes and how stuff plays in with NIL. But no matter what. It's going to be maybe not fun, but definitely really interesting to see. Yeah, how no, plays out. definitely won't be fun, uh, but <laughs> will definitely be interesting. I think you nailed it. Uh, Dustin, a couple of other things to get to just kind of running down the list. I think, I think we'd lead with this. Uh, DeAndre Jackson out of Texas A&M hits the portal a while ago, wasn't really on our radar. And then all of a sudden ends up at Oklahoma state. I mean, what was your first reaction to that? I, I was surprised. It's not a name that I think we've even, have we thrown that name out on the podcast? We have not. So he is a guy that Oklahoma state initially recruited. I don't think they ever formally offered. If they did, it's not on two, four, seven, but I know coach Wozniak, Oklahoma state's running backs coach visited with Jackson when he was coming up out of high school. He originally committed to Auburn, decommitted, and then went to Texas A&M. So he entered the portal after two years at A&M just due to not a lot of playing time. You know, A&M had two extremely talented backs last year. I know they really up. They've had some amazing recruiting classes, but he entered the transfer portal and then committed to Nebraska in January, was still planning to enroll in the summer. I don't think he was ever planning to enroll in the spring, but as time went on, he decided to decommit from Nebraska, similar to what we saw Prince Pines do from Oklahoma State and flip to Tulane and then commit to Oklahoma State. But I don't think from what I've heard and from his comments, I don't think they were talking to him the, the first time he entered the portal. I think it was all kind of quick. He hasn't even officially visited. It's been a lot of virtual visits. He's coming to visit soon, I believe. I'm not sure if it's in the next couple of weeks, but I remember seeing it's going to be soon. So it's, it's really interesting. I don't, I don't know. How'd you feel about that pickup? There's not a ton of film to watch. There's really kind of have to go back to all of it is on our Twitter account. Now. <laughs> yeah, I have all eight snaps on the Twitter account. So from watching his huddle and from watching those snaps, 
do you do you like him? Do you think this is a guy that can come and compete? And Cade, before you actually answer that, it's a question. That question I just asked you is actually from our guy M at camera one. He says, DeAndre Jackson, the AM running back transfer, as impactful as Desmond Jackson or more impactful. We can probably go ahead and hit that now as well. Well, I was just gonna do you think say this is an impact guy. I do. I wonder where he slots in. I mean, he's not going to come in and start that, that that's not it, but does he slot in behind Dominic Richardson in front of Ollie Gordon and Jaden Nixon, or, I mean, it's just another body, but it's one that like, it's really intriguing. I mean, he's got like, I know all of eight carries, but his films, his eight carries weren't bad. Like he's got some decent lateral quickness. You noted that on the Twitter thread. It's what I saw in those eight snaps but a, a pretty nice recruiting profile too, an offer from Alabama uh, to, to note. So I, I don't know if he is high impact immediately, but he could be one that comes in, gets a little bit of run and almost does take a little bit of the Desmond Jackson, you know, like ends up in that two to three spot uh, and, and rotates in for more carries, depending on the opponent or the situation. I could see if there's an injury, he, he, him playing quite a bit. Yeah, and Cade, the injury point is great to make because when you look at the running back roster right now, you've got Dom Richardson, who's listed at six foot, 210 pounds. After that, you've got Jaden Nixon at 5'10, 185. You got Zach Middleton at 5'9, 200. You've got CJ Brown at 5'10, 175. And then obviously, you've got Ollie Gordon, who could be six foot, could be 6'10. Yes, yeah, 100% eight, six, sure eight, there. All jokes aside, Ollie's a pretty big guy, but again, a true freshman coming in. We saw him get dinged up a little bit already in the spring game. He should be back. But my point is, aside from Dom's six foot two ten, you don't really have another back that's that size. And DeAndre Jackson comes in. He's listed at five eleven on A and M's website. I believe he's a little bit closer to six foot. And then he told two four seven in Pokes report that he's running around at about two twenty right now. He he. He was 215 last season on their roster. So you've got now you've got depth at that kind of power big back spot. And if you've watched any of this guy's high school film or any of those snaps at AM, he's a guy who's extremely tough to bring down on initial contact. Great balance, powerful runner, kind of like one cut and hit the hole with some burst. So I think it's good to have another big body back because if Dom went down with injury, to your point it's really just Ollie that's even close to that size. Yeah. So it's kind of, the other guys are all 200 or below and Nixon and Brown are 185 and below. I mean, and, and to get through an entire season with no injury in your running back room seems almost like fantasy land. Like, I mean, we've seen it with Chuba Hubbard. He got dinged up, saw it with justice Hill. Um, I mean, you can go back even, even further than that. There's going to be an injury. You just hope it doesn't come at the top of the depth chart. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I agree. And from, from, from the high school tape, again, just kind of going back to that, I think he's got really quick feet. We talked about that, the great lateral movement. I think some things he's got to work on. I noted it in the Twitter thread. He doesn't seem to have elite top end speed. He broke some big runs in high school, but there was sometimes where he got caught from behind. I know at the, open in 2019 he ran a 4840 so i know that was a concern when i was looking back at some of the articles from, from texas a&m when they recruited him about his top end speed so we'll kind of see how that goes but he's he thinks he's a guy kid that can come in right away he, he his quote 
I believe this was from 247. It might have been Pokes Report, but basically, OSU is a great place where the system fits my talents and is a good place for me to compete for playing time right away. I like the coaches and the environment there, including the fans. So he thinks he can come in and play. Well, and I would imagine that without seeing the campus, that that's the only way that that happens. I mean, it's like, hey, look, we've got a, a situation in the running back room that needs to be addressed. We think you could potentially help us do that. Um, to me, that that's that's really the only way a player commits sight unseen that's coming out of the transfer portal is I know what my opportunity is at Oklahoma State, and I like it. And I think, you know, I still think there's a question to be had. Like, I, I think Dominic Richardson is your RB1 because Mike Gundy said so. But is he is he RB1, like, caliber is 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 yet to be seen we haven't really seen him handle the load for six eight ten twelve thirteen games uh, out of the season so it's going to be interesting and i think i think uh deandre i mean geez i'm totally going to call him desmond jackson there's no question about it <laughs> totally going to call him that uh i think he could come in and compete and i would imagine that's why he's here yeah i, I agree it we also got some good news from a former Oklahoma state player and coach Robert Allen said he talked to Josh Hinchin about him. And Josh said that he's a strong back that was good between the tackles with strength and explosion to break through the line said he's a smart player, knows what to do, makes good decisions. And then another quote from Jackson himself, when asked what his strengths are, the first thing he noted was his pass protection. Oh. And I know Gundy and Wozniak love that because we've seen backs get more playing time during the Gundy years just because of how they can pass protect so that'll be good there's not really any film to back that up so the fact that he says it we'll see but that's something I I definitely want to hear and he also talks about improving something that we knocked him for his top end speed so he's still he's still continuing to improve on that and it is uh this upcoming Tuesday so tomorrow I believe he'll be at Oklahoma State but It'll be interesting to see. I know Utah was in the mix as well to kind of get him when Oklahoma State ended up landing them. So Nebraska, Utah, A&M, these are are some big-time schools I'm throwing out. A guy originally committed to Auburn. But, Kate, going back to M's question, let me run you through Desmond Jackson's numbers from kind of the two seasons where he really got some carries. So there was 2020 when Chuba Hubbard only got to play in seven games, I believe, that season. And Des had 100 carries for 547 yards, four touchdowns, five receptions and 14, for 14 yards. And then last season, 48 attempts, 139 yards, two touchdowns, seven receptions for 39 yards. Do you think, obviously, the 2020 season is kind of an anomaly because of the injuries there and him kind of right. step into a more lead role, him and LD. Do you think – DeAndre can have something maybe in between those two seasons, like a that's where I would 70 attempt, 300 yard, three touchdown season. Is that's that- where I would put it. And that seems even to me like if I was going to pick one, you bring in a guy out of the portal like that, I would, I would guess it's closer to 100 than it is to 30 or 38 or whatever the number you threw out there was. I would guess it's, I would think 75 is spot on, but I would guess that if it's not 75, it's because it's on the high end of that. Um, I think Oklahoma state needs it. And if he can, if he can run block, you nailed it with that point. Like he will play because of that and he will get carries because of that skill set. So yeah, I I think you're spot on. And again, I would put it 
at the top end of 75 rather than below that. So, yeah. So maybe you're looking at like five, five, six carries a game. I don't think that's unrealistic. You know, Gundy talked about what do you say? Dominic was going to have 15 to 20 Nixon probably come in at 10 ish later in the season. It'd be great if Ollie Gordon could get in the mix, but if for some reason he doesn't, if Gundy doesn't want to play the true freshman, he doesn't want to play CJ Brown and Deandre's your third back. I don't think it's unrealistic to think he could average around four to six carries a game. And if they're using him in red zone situations, kind of power situations, maybe he gets three or four touchdowns. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. He's, he's an interesting player. And I, I don't think it's interesting because of the film. I think it's interesting because of the situation that Oklahoma state's in. Um, he feels a need. It's just, you wonder how effectively. So I think he'll we'll be find there out in June. Yeah. So we'll find out quick. Yeah. It's not going to be a secret. We'll, we will hear about him a lot in spring. I would or in, in, in fall camp. I'm sorry. Uh, brain's still in February apparently, but we will hear a lot about him in fall camp. And um, I think we will probably have a much better idea even then before the season starts. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be exciting because he's pretty unknown, but he spent two years in the Texas A&M system. He did have kind of an odd thing to say about Jimbo Fisher. I don't know if I told you this when we were talking you, before, you but didn't, but I'm, I'm part, ready. Part of his quote said, so he said he had a lot of good conversations with them being Oklahoma state yesterday. They were telling me how practices were and what the environment was like. Um, and then about Jimbo, he said, Jimbo is loud and yelling. That's Jimbo's <laughs> way, but coach Gundy is different, but he's still going to make me work hard. And that's, what's important. So he didn't like Jimbo getting in his grill. I don't think, you know, Coach Gundy can get a little heated, but he seems a little bit more level-headed most yeah, of the time. Yeah, a little reserved and selective on on who he jumps. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I, I, I like everything I've heard about this kid. I really like his high school tape, which you can't really go off of. I wasn't going to watch full games from three years ago from his high school. So it's, still, it's a little bit of an unknown, and we'll see. Well, I think he can be a guy, like we said, though, that could get 50-plus carries. And if there's some injuries, maybe even more. But – I'd love for his carries to go to Ollie Gordon, but I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. It's, it's probably at this point outside of the offensive line, that one uh, is an extremely interesting storyline. I would think it might be the most interesting, like just roster shuffling situation that Oklahoma state has going on. So Moving on, a couple of names, old friend alert, Cameron Farrar uh, announced he was going to SMU. I thought pretty good pickup for the, uh, for the Pony Express there. So, so did I. I think, uh, I think he's the guy that can come in and make an impact. I know we didn't have him in our guys we were talking about in the rotation, but that's not – that's just what we were hearing. Right, I, right. I thought Cameron Farrar played great when he was in the game with Mason Cobb last year on several occasions. I think he's a guy we might see at SMU – and be like, how did, how did Oklahoma State <laughs> let him go? That's a really good play. He's the so, next Jelani is what you're saying. I, 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 don't think, I don't think he was going to make a huge impact this next season with guys like Cobb, Bishop, Benson, and the stuff we've heard from Donovan Stevens, Robertson, Nick Martin. But I do think in the right situation, he can be a rotational linebacker piece that could put up some solid, some solid numbers and make some plays. 
Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, all it is to me is a, is a hit to the depth. I think Oklahoma state, you know, you already named it. You, you rattled off the guys who, who we expect to contribute. I think Cam Farrar would have been somewhere in that rotation, but probably at this point in his career, wanted something a little more guaranteed than he had and uh, don't blame him at all. But a couple of other names um, that, that have been, you know, thrown at us and that we've thrown it at, at you all DeAndre Doran, Doran, Yeah, I'm going to go with Doran to KU. Yeah. We actually had a lot of tweets about this guy uh, once Dylan McDuffie com- committed to um, Georgia Tech. It was, well, let's go get this other guy from Buffalo, DeAndre <laughs> Doran, line, yeah. who we didn't go get and maybe filled a more important need on the offensive line. So uh, interesting pickup there for the Jayhawks. Yeah, th- I think he would have been a nice piece. I know people are going to see him committing to Kansas and be like, why would we want someone – that's going to Kansas. Well, right <laughs> now, I think, I think we would kind of take anybody, even a depth piece there, not anybody, but it would have been nice to have him. He's obviously a guy that can compete at the power five level, probably KU. He thought he could come in and start right away. I'm sure Charlie Dickey and coach Gundy have told anyone transferring into Oklahoma state, they're going to have to compete for their spot because it's true. And we're not just going to, you know, give it away. I don't know how they do business at KU, but maybe it was a, Hey, if you come here, we'll start you no matter what game one, <laughs> just see what happens. I but, mean, it could have been that you never know. Yes. So we'll, we'll see there. There's still some more names. Um, a couple K that there's one, I think I've mentioned him on the pod before, but I don't think I have recently Jason Eaton from Eastern Michigan, six, seven, 315 pound freshman. He actually had some decent offers coming out of high school, but went to Eastern Michigan. I don't know if it was a academic issue or kind of what was going on there, but He's been in since April 27th. Haven't seen Oklahoma State linked. Have seen some, heard some rumblings that maybe Oklahoma State's been interested in him, but nothing official. We talked about Joner Miller from Oregon, but I think a lot of teams are after him right now. I haven't seen him officially commit anywhere. We talked about Demetri Emanuel from Charlotte. And then there's Cooper Lovelace from Butler Community College, where Caleb Etienne went, who Oklahoma State had offered. He just took a visit to USC. We talked about how he talked about his visit or his offers from Florida in USC and how excited he was. So I don't think Oklahoma state's going to land him. I know he wanted to commit before May 14th. I saw, so we should hear something soon, but I think it's probably USC or Florida. Yeah, it seems like it. And I think I was pretty clear last week that I, I didn't feel a warm fuzzy about uh, the way he felt about the Oklahoma State offer. Spoke very highly of Oklahoma State, but um, to be, I think he said he was stunned silent about his USC offer or something like that. Uh, that That's a little different. And then he's in Los Angeles the next weekend. It's like, right. Okay, and enjoy. The thing about him too and, you know, I always like to say something positive for OSU after something <laughs> negative happens, so I'm just going to bash him now. No, but He doesn't the thing fit about a him, need. No, I totally agree. <laughs> he's a Juco guy. We saw what happened with Caleb Etienne, had to come in and get in shape. It took yep. him a little while to get up to speed. And this is a guy who only played one year of high school football. Yep. I know he's the most fe- flexible big man in college football, so he says, and we've seen the <laughs> really strange stretching video, which was extremely <laughs> impressive. I can't do any of that, but – he's probably going to be someone that has to come in and learn the system, taking a big step up from the one year of high school and from junior college and get in shape. So I don't even think, even if he goes to USC or Florida, I don't think he's someone that's going to come in and play for them right away. I could be wrong, but 
I just don't know who's left in the portal. And I think that's why Oklahoma state took a flyer on him, but I don't know if he would have helped right away next season. I, I don't know if you feel any different about that. No, I know. I, I, I really don't. Um, especially once you <laughs> point, I think we even talked about this last week. Like I didn't realize that he had only played one year of high school football until you told me that I was like, okay, yeah. well, didn't want him anyway. So no, I'm just kidding. He would fill a need, uh, but you know, he's played one more year of high school football than my daughter. He played one more year of high school football. (laughs) That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Uh, All right, Dustin, moving on a couple of quick NFL news hitters. Zach Robinson uh, promoted to passing game coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams, which is becoming this, more influential position uh, than I think it probably used to be. I don't really remember many passing game coordinators way back in the day, Joe Brady, kind of a big name. And then now you see more and more and, and Zach Robinson passing game coordinator for the reigning Super Bowl champs. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's really awesome for Zach. He's kind of taken off. I think he's been with the Rams. I think this will be his fourth year. So he was a quarterbacks coach assistant wide receivers coach back to assistant quarterbacks coach and now he's taken over as the full-time quarterbacks coach and like you said the passing game coordinator I saw a quote where he's being pretty modest about it saying it's the exact same thing he's been doing just a little bit expanded but that's how Zach's always been you know anytime I've seen any kind of quotes from him he's not gonna say yeah I'm the I'm the big shot now so (laughs) it's really awesome I know I believe it was Kevin O'Connell who was their offensive coordinator. He was also the quarterback's coach. So he took that role from him. And then tight end coach Wes Phillips, I believe, was the passing game coordinator. So he took one role from each of those guys and kind of combined into him. So it's really cool. You know, his his playing career in the NFL didn't turn out great, but he's he's been having, you know, a lot of success as a coach. And him moving this fast, I believe he's 35 or 36 years old. You could see his name for head coaching position sometime soon. He's been working with Sean McVay. You know, that's a plus. We've seen a lot of guys been picked off McVay's staff. So you could see head coach Zach Robinson here in in the next few years. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And I, again, that that promotion with that title, he will be a trendy guy thrown around in college football. You know, when there's an opening at a uh, TCU, for example, or a K State, or or somewhere else, he will be a name get, that gets thrown around quite a bit. And I think you think LA, he would come back. I think he to would. College. I think he would come back to college, and I think he would also come back to uh, Stillwater America if the <laughs> timing was right, um, which I don't expect it to be. Um, but anyway, I think I think having a he's having kind of a career. Uh, renaissance at the current moment like he was kind of in the lower levels um for for quite some time but has really like made a name for him for himself and i mean this is a big move this is a big time deal he was working with pro football focus for a little bit right? he was that's right yeah so he's kind of bounced he's kind of bounced around you know he was in the nfl for what like three years patriots yeah. and yeah. Bengals, seattle i think uh maybe detroit too but the now he's yeah, he's he's taken off and he's still young, like I said. So it'll be really interesting. So if he if he becomes an NFL head coach though and has success, no way Oklahoma State could get him to come back when Oh yeah, moves, right. No, no, I don't. It, I don't it'd have that. to be before that when he would come back to college. Is what you were getting at? 
Yeah, that is what I'm getting at. But or if he failed, as I, that's that's coach. the yeah. other option would be he's not a great Which we don't head wish. coach. We don't want that. We want him. We want him getting rings, and and that way you can recruit <laughs> players who want to coach later on in life. Um, so I would think those are the only two scenarios. Either he were to be Mike Gundy's successor, which I wouldn't expect to happen, but never say never. Um, or he becomes an NFL head coach, doesn't do all that well and then ends up at Oklahoma state in some form uh, and capacity, and then ultimately ends up being the head coach. But ultimately that's JW Walsh's role. So they may have to be duking it out. You know what I mean? Hey, my guy, Greg Richmond may yeah, take over good, before that's JW. That's, that's my guy right now. Yeah. There's, that would be a long time down the road, there's some interesting candidates, not, that, not to play that game, but uh, maybe one of these days, this off season, when it's real slow, we'll play the, who would you want? Uh, to be Oklahoma State's next head coach. Maybe we'll do that. Zach Robinson would be awesome. But yeah, like, like you said, I, I'd prefer him to go ahead and keep having success in the NFL because I don't want to wish him to, you know, have any issues there. So that, yeah. that that's going to be awesome. It's, it's great to just see him take off like this. And I, I can't wait until he's head coach of the New Orleans Saints and taking him to a Super Bowl. Yeah. No doubt about it. Well, Dustin, a couple of quick recruiting updates before we move into basketball. Um, walk us through. It looks like we got a couple new offers. Uh, maybe a guy named Willie Nelson. I mean, unless he's headlining the uh, orange peel or something that I don't know about. <laughs> yeah, so we, we got Willie. So Willie Nelson is a cornerback in the 2024 class, 5'10", 176 pounder out of Longview, Texas. He's not currently ranked a lot. That's not weird, though. A lot of the 2024 guys aren't ranked yet. Their rankings will start coming in as they move on into this next season, everything like that. You know, they haven't been to as many camps. So he's gotten his offer list isn't very long, but they've come in all recently, I think in the past like two or three weeks. So OSU, SMU, OU, UTSA, he had a really solid sophomore season, 76 tackles, eight picks, seven PBUs, two of his receptions he took back for a touchdown. And he's a as we know, Gundy loves multi-sport guy plays basketball and track ran a 10, eight, eight and a hundred meter dash this spring. So he's lightning fast. It's a name to keep an eye on. It's great that Oklahoma state got in on him early. I think they could play, you know, play a factor down the road. And then a recent commit in 2023, Ricky Lola. Yeah. That's how you say it. And that one came almost immediately after Deandre Jackson committed. Yes. So, which is pretty awesome. Shout out to Benny Tonga. He crushes the Continues. Polynesian recruiting. This is a defensive tackle out of Euless Trinity, where Ollie Gordon is from. 6'4", 250 pounder. He's got some pretty nice offers. You got Oklahoma State, Texas Tech in there, SMU, uh, North Texas, Louisiana Monroe. They've all started coming in since January, I believe. So we'll kind of see how that goes, but it's great because, you know, you got Benny in there who can point to guys like, Samuela, Sionia C, Nathan Latou, Mason Cobb, and the success of Jalen Warren recently. So it's pretty awesome. I believe he's the seventh commit now for the Pokes in the 2023 class. But, Kate, either of those guys uh, do anything for you? Our guy Willie well, Nelson or Ricky? Well, I mean, outside of the obvious, Willie Nelson. I mean, that's, that is almost too funny uh, to even express in words. So but many NIL options there. I know. I mean, the, the ideas are off the charts. The t-shirt, the t-shirt machine part of my brain, like is going <laughs> off again. You know, I'm a big t-shirt idea guy. So I've already got plenty of ideas uh, going through there. I love it. 
Uh, Ricky Lolohea, though, seems like an intriguing prospect. And I mean, again, it's intriguing really because Benny Tonga doesn't miss. Like he, he's crushing it on that side of things, but he doesn't miss with who he brings in. And so I would have no reason to believe, even though the recruiting profile may not be overwhelmingly positive, everybody he brings in plays and plays really hard and plays like a lot. So um, I, I, I like to pick up for almost that reason alone. Yeah, and I've I, from what I've heard, Tonga's really happy at Oklahoma State. But whatever we got to do to keep him, okay, no he absolutely crushes the recruiting. It seems like everyone we off, every Polynesian player we offer, ends up at least putting us in the final three or five. And a lot of them commit. It, it seems like we're pretty selective on the how the offers go out, and the ones that he wants and the team and Gundy and the team want, we seem to get. Yeah, it's absolutely the case. I, I don't know what you have to do to keep him happy, but uh, let's do that thing, whatever that ends up being. So uh, there's no, a, I love it. There's a few other offers that went out recently. Uh, Ashton Funk, offensive lineman in the 2024 class. Ori Williams, another offensive lineman. Taylor Tatum, a really talented 2024 running back. He's supposed to be one of the top running backs in the class. And then Ricky Stewart, a 2025 running back. He's the only the fourth offer in 2025 that Oklahoma State has I sent out. So I can't believe we're even doing on. that yet. 2025. <laughs> that seems like that seems like five years from now. That's insane. So yeah. So just some names to keep an eye on. We won't go into huge detail on any of them, but just wanted to throw those out there since the offers have gone out and some of them are pretty talented, like Taylor Tatum. I love it. I love it, Dustin. Thanks for the recruiting breakdown. Always fun to know the names of the uh, potential future pokes uh, and get to break down those, those people with you. So before we move on into basketball, let's take a quick break and thank you to Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can contact Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash Price hyphen Buckley. That's B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. And again, you can reach him at 469-757-0290. Price, appreciate your, your support of the Feels Like 45 podcast uh and just know that i read your phone number uh off of my own memory there because i lost the script in Bali. so how about that's that impressive. that is pretty good that's huh? impressive all right that's, that's real a big talent. brain yeah <laughs> big numbers guy over here um well dustin i mean moving on into i mean there's actually a lot to get to uh we're in that part of the summer last year if you remember bryce thompson committed to oklahoma state in may musa cisse in july so you're getting into that kind of hot part of the summer in the transfer portal. Um, but we're going to talk real quick about somebody going out into the transfer portal from Oklahoma state. And that's Isaac likely who just recently announced he was committing to Ohio state, which I was surprised by that, but I was, I think more than anything, I was just excited for him. That's a, as good a landing spot as I think you could have asked for. And if they can play a style of basketball, that he can just be himself. He can slow down, doesn't have to shoot. He can potentially play. Again, I always think he played a little bit out of position. I don't think he's as great with the ball in his hands. Um, I, I, I think you could potentially see a, uh, a a career renaissance for Isaac Likely in Columbus. 
So do you, and Kate, that was a great breakdown of kind of how he fits on that team. Do you think he's a guy that could start there or do you think he's a role player? I think he's a sixth man. I think he strikes me as like a, and I, I know Mark Vidal was, uh, you know, not a sixth man at Baylor, but he strikes me as somebody that should be playing that role. Like he should be getting on the glass. He should be getting into the paint and maybe doesn't have to do it all with the ball in his hands. Again, I, I, I do think he's a good point guard, but I think if he can play off the ball at like a, uh, almost like an undersized four, he can give some guys some problems, some more, uh, like some bigger guys that aren't as agile or fleet of foot. I think he could give some problems. And there's a lot of guys like that in the big 10. I know, you know that. So (laughs) I think he could have some success there, but I don't think he's going to start. I think the obvious knock on him is his inability to score offensively in outside of six feet. Um, Unless that changes, I don't know if Ohio state will frankly put up with it the way that Oklahoma state did. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. If it if it doesn't work out, which I'm hoping it does for Ice, I think he's a guy that you could see get some minutes early on and then maybe kind of fade out. So we'll see. But I think I think your first kind of breakdown there about a good fit for him, if he's able to play off the ball, if there's some spacing to where he can kind of get in the lane at times, off yep. some cuts, yep. and then play his style of defense where he can pretty much guard anybody on the floor. I think he can find some minutes there. And obviously we appreciate everything we saw from ice at Oklahoma state, but I know you and I were kind of both on the leaning towards the side of we were, you know, we were okay if he were to leave because we kind of want some new faces in there, some more shooters. This team obviously needs more shooting. So best of luck to ice. I think, I think it could be a good fit. We'll see. I'm, I'm going to yeah. definitely be watching some Ohio state basketball next year. Well, Dustin, it, you just segued us perfectly into our next point. You want shooters? Well, maybe, maybe they're about to get one. Uh, and again, this is, this is just based off of at this point now, it's kind of, uh, it's not necessarily common knowledge, but it's not really a secret right now that Oklahoma state and Caleb Asbury are friendly. Uh, it seems like yeah. things are in a good spot there and Caleb Asbury, we've talked about him on the podcast before, but if you're not familiar, if that name doesn't jump out at you, enter the transfer portal from Texas state, six, three guard combo guard plays with the ball in his hands. Some not entirely though like almost strikes me as like a rondell walker in that regard like could bring the ball up if he had to but isn't normally going to what i will say though he is a freak athlete and he shoots the ball well and so caleb asbury to me it's like once once we talked about him the first time on this podcast several weeks ago was one that was like well that's a perfect fit and then with rondell leaving i think becomes an even more like serendipitous fit i really hope they can figure out a way to pull this off yeah he you hit on it but and he's committing this week he's committing this week so sorry (laughs) yeah we're we're pretty positive he's committing this week so if he doesn't don't get mad at us he said he is committing we just don't know to where he said i am committing. we think it's oklahoma state from what we've heard and what we've seen but he's definitely committing somewhere kid you're right this week yeah yeah we're let's go with we're 85% 85% sure it's going to be Oklahoma State. I'd yeah. like to say a higher number though. Yeah, so, but but if we say higher, that way we can't like we have no plausible deniability. At that yeah, point. I don't want to look dumb. So yeah, that's my goal sure. in life is to not look dumb. So uh but the past two seasons almost so at basically at five attempts and then over five attempts last year, and he shot 42% and then 38% from three. So the dude can 
stroke it from deep. Like you said, he's more of an off-ball guard, but he can handle it himself. Four and a half rebounds last season as well, and 2.1 assists, 1.1 steals. He gets it done on both ends. I haven't watched the full game film yet, but from what I've seen, he's a pretty good defender. And there was also a note from an article in The Athletic about some of the transfer guys talking about his numbers not being elite, but it noted that Texas State was one of the slowest-paced teams in the country and played a lot in the half court. So 13.5 points per game on his efficiency is actually pretty incredible. And he's an all-sun, first-team all-sunbelt guy. I think my only knock on him, Caden, let me know if you think this is way off base, but he seems a little frail. 170, he's listed at, and he looks skinny in the highlight film I've watched. I don't know if that'll be a problem when he moves into the Big 12. It's not like it's football where you're getting all these just way thicker guys, but it is more physical, and you've got more talented players. So I don't know how much of an issue you think that'll be. I think he's a great pickup. Going to be a great pickup though for Oklahoma State if they end up. Yeah, you know, frankly, it didn't jump out at me. Like his size didn't jump out at me. What what I think he does do is he fills a, a an area of clear need for Oklahoma State. I think I think if they they have what three scholarship spots available, assuming they take thirteen. I think you could fill all three with three-point shooters, and I don't really care how big or small they are. They just need shooters. Um, but I see what you're saying. I think what he may lose, what he may lack in in like thickness, he may make up for in athleticism because he and he he's tough. Jump, he can jump out of the gym too. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's super athlete, and there's a lot of there's a lot of video of him finishing in the lane through contact. I think I was more getting onto the defensive end, but. Yeah, Again, totally like fair. I said, totally fair. I haven't watched. I haven't watched full game film on him yet, so I can't make a, you know, a accurate assumption on that. So I'll need to watch that and kind of see how he plays defense. But from what I've heard, he's a really good one-on-one on-ball defender, and he's extremely aggressive. I mean, you see it with over one steals a game. He's definitely making his presence felt there. So we'll see. Cade, what I kind of wanted to ask you though is, you've got John Michael Wright. You may be getting Caleb Asbury. Are you still concerned about the true point guard position? Because both of these guys are more off the ball. Oh man. Yeah, I am. I, I, I really am. And that's why last week I, it was a little tongue in cheek when I answered the question about who's Oklahoma state's starting point guard. And I said, Courtney Ramey, it's really because I'm hoping that's the case. Um, they, they need a true point guard. Avery Anderson is a great player. I, I think he's, I think he is a really good college basketball player, but he is playing in my opinion, a little bit out of position. Like it's a little bit of the Isaac likely thing. Like we've seen it before. Avery is better with the ball, with the ball uh, out of his hands. At least he was when Cade Cunningham was feeding him dimes. Uh, it's like <laughs> setting him up for only success. So that always helps when, when you have that player doing that for you. But um, turns the ball over quite a bit. Um, isn't a great like uh like facilitator of the offense. I I think they have to go find somebody that can can fill that role. Um, so my question back to you is if they end up with Caleb Asbury, John Michael Wright, another player who we haven't talked about, do they go with somebody? Like, do you think they're going to get somebody? I guess is my point. After all this is settled. 
You bring up a great point. So we're about to talk about another guy, but they currently have what we said. If they get Asbury, it'll be two spots left, but they have the sanctions on the scholarships. We don't know how they're going to kind of allocate those out across the years. It sounds like Boynton's not afraid to take all 13 this year. So he could do that, but I think they have to get someone that is a true ball handling point guard for all the points you just brought up about Avery. If you want to do it by committee, that's fine, but there's got to be somebody late in games who is your commander, your offensive leader, and the guy who can put you into a play, run it effectively, and figure, some, figure out a way to score points in the half court when you need them, especially against better teams. And I would be worried with the current roster plus Asbury that I don't see one of those guys on the team. Avery Anderson is an extremely talented player. Bryce Thompson is an extremely talented player. I don't know if that's their – I mean, I feel like I do kind of know after watching them, that's not their go-to skill set, being the yeah. initial point guard. And 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 I don't think it sets up a Musa Cisse to do what we know he can do really well, and that's pick and roll. I mean, I, I, don't, I just don't know how well that sets up. So. Bryce didn't play I – I, I think I did a Twitter thread where I hit on this a little bit. Bryce didn't play much out of the pick and roll at all. Well, and, and then like with CSA, with CSA, right, right. And then take it even a step further. You want somebody that can initiate the offense. They will run the offense through Musa CSA a lot this year. You need somebody who can make that entry pass. Um, that's not a difficult entry pass to make. So maybe they, maybe that is a scenario where Avery can do it, but we've seen him just make some really like bad decisions in transition with the basketball ball security can be an issue. So um, I, I would hope that somebody else is coming, uh, I guess is, is how I'll answer that. Maybe Avery's uh, NBA draft scouting report comes back and it tells him he needs to show that he can be a true point guard. And boy, just Man, let that him would try be it. phenomenal. Yeah. We really <laughs> need you to initiate the offense, take better care of the basketball, make better shot choices. And, and then you'll be a first round pick. That would be, great for everybody but what and you know we're we're talking about this but i do not mind getting all these amazing offensive players so it's, i don't it's either it's a really good um situation to be in i think you know i i what i was super jealous of was looking at iowa state last year with with who they were able to add to the transfer portal with gabe kalsher isaiah brockington i mean just some guys that like why can't oklahoma state go get a, a guy like that i think caleb asbury I really think he's kind of one of those guys who will come in and, and be instant starting caliber. He may not start on this roster the way the the roster sets up, because um, I think you have a point guard at the one, Avery at the two, Bryce at the three, and then bring Asbury off the bench. But uh, I think Asbury, you could basically slot into Rondell's spot. That's, that's how I see it. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a great pickup if it ends up happening. We think it's going to. But, Cade, you alluded to a, another guy that we've heard – is coming to visit and may have Oklahoma State high on his list of transfer destinations. Yeah, Russell Harrison from UL Monroe. And this guy might be the transfer portal target outside of Courtney Ramey that I've been most intrigued by. Six, seven, stretch four. Uh, I think 220 pounds is what I saw him listed at that. I, I hope that's right. But can absolutely stroke it from three is a 39% uh, three point shooter averaged over 2.2 made threes a game last year. Uh, I think is a very intriguing portal addition because I think what you lost in Keelan Boone, 
you could potentially gain here in a better shooter, maybe a more rangy dynamic athlete. If you watch the film, he's a little bit more uh, explosive in his cuts um, and seems to be a little bit more difficult to defend with the ball in his hand. Yeah. Your comparison to Keelan, I think is great. I think that's who they're trying to fill the void of, but with a guy like you mentioned, who's a little bit more athletic average about a steal per game. So he's very active on the defensive end. And from there's actually a, 11 minute long highlight video of his if you want it's to raining threes on, yeah on youtube and it kind of shows his entire skill set on the offensive end but he is a catch and shoot guy that can get his shot off not not insanely quick but quick enough he also has enough dribble drive ability to score on his own and it seems like he can create separation and get his three off still from what i've seen again that's playing against ulm's opponents i know i saw in the game they played against LSU last year, he did not perform pretty well. But he's uh, he also played in junior college, averaged 18.3 points a game and 8.2 uh, rebounds a game. So he's a player that can come in, catch and shoot three, play some defense, and grab rebounds. And I think that's why this is one of something that's really exciting for you and I and somebody that we thought this team needed, along with a point guard, is another – knockdown three-point shooter that can get their shot off yeah and i i overshot him a little bit he's six seven two hundred but he he plays with some some good physicality like i i i didn't think he got knocked off his spot much um i think he's definitely more inclined to shoot it which is which is interesting for a guy of his size and it will be it will be more interesting for oklahoma state fans who aren't necessarily used to that they, yeah. Oklahoma State hasn't had any tweeners uh, stretch four in a while that plays it like that. I think Keelan, like even though you could probably call him a stretch four, when did you ever see him at the four? Right. So right. like no, that's this this guy point. you could totally see him running out there uh, for Tyreek Smith and and really has almost like a Kevin McCuller body type to me. Um, I don't know yeah, how something. much he can he can do in the paint, but that's what he kind of reminds me of. No, I, I love that comparison. And, and something else that kind of stuck out, stuck out to me and I was thinking about is, you know, Ferran Flavors, we saw that didn't really yeah. work out. And we've talked about it. I think we talked about it last week. He's a guy that needed his shots to get going. I think the two seasons before he came to Oklahoma State, he averaged like over eight three-pointed tips a game. Well, Harrison's a little bit closer to five, a little bit under five in some of the seasons we've seen. So this is a guy who doesn't need as many attempts. He's a catch and shoot guy that seems to always be hot. And I like that a little bit better as a fit, along with the fact what you talked about his athleticism, physicality. He's a little bit taller than a guy like flavors closer to a Keelan Boone height. I think I like that better in my spot up catch and shoot three point shooter than I do a shorter guy that needs more volume. Yeah. He doesn't seem to need that. I think he'll be fine. You know, 13.1 points. I think he'd be fine coming off the bench and averaging, you know, nine. And I think that would be huge. I'd personally be very fine with it. Yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. He, if you go look at his box score, he had games of 25 points, 24 points, 25, 28, 19, 19, 18, 17. Like he's a scorer, score first. And Oklahoma State needs that as much as they can get it. So another guy that I'm crossing my fingers for, maybe as much as anybody that they've been in, in contact with. Outside of Courtney Ramey, who has still not made a decision, still no inkling of where he may be leaning. Um, you know, 
you wonder as Oklahoma State continues to show interest in guys in the portal, what that means uh, for Courtney Ramey. I know Oklahoma State feels good about it, um, but how good is is really the question, and how long can you can you wait? I think they'll be willing to wait all summer. I bet, I bet, if they were to uh, pull in Caleb Asbury and a Russell Harrison or somebody else like that, that puts you at twelve scholarship spots. And this is something that you and I texted about today. Do, if it's not Courtney Ramey, do you think they take somebody to fill that 13th and final spot? Unless there's a point guard that they really like, maybe they just leave it open. That's how I see it. I think it makes the most sense. You may be under, uh, like under appreciating what this team could potentially do with a, a true point guard, like a severe wheeler or a, you know, I think the, the team would be better served with that but I think they can get by without it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, you mentioned there's there's really not that many guys they've been linked to that haven't kind of crossed Oklahoma State out the list or trans- committed somewhere else. We talked about Asbury. We talked about Harrison. There's still Sean Duergordon, but from Missouri, but I don't think he's coming to Oklahoma State. Shaquille Moore from Mississippi State. Kyle Lofton and Dominic Welch from St. Bonaventure. So we'll see. I, I think Welch is also more of a combo guard. That's someone we've recently seen them link to John Rothstein. So I don't know if that – I think with Asbury and Harrison coming in, maybe they get out on some of these guys that aren't true point guards. We'll, we'll kind of see, I guess, how that ends up after this week and kind of the next coming weeks. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. It's it's invigorating. Um, Dustin, one one final basketball note. Oklahoma State made an offer to a guy named Dink Pate, and that guy can play Love basketball. It. It's an yes. all-name team, but outside of that, he he can really score. Uh, 2020, is he 2023 prospect? Four. 2024, that's yeah. right. Uh, and is kind of one of those tweener guards too that I, I would be I would be pretty excited about going forward. Yeah, he's a bigger guy like a Cade Cunningham, Anthony Black that yeah. can handle the ball. I think they list him at small forward on 247, but like you said, he's he's more of a guard. He can handle the ball. Offer list of Arizona State, Arizona, Houston, LSU, Ole Miss, TCU, AM, Texas Tech. I think he's listed as the number nine overall. Uh, I guess he is listed as a shooting guard on two, four, seven and the number three overall prospect out of Texas. So we'll kind of see how that goes. He's, he trains with former Oklahoma state and NBA player Terrell Harris out in Dallas. Wow. And he also Byron Eaton's son played plays on the rival team, his rival high school team. So he has links to Oklahoma state. We'll kind of see how that goes. Hopefully Terrell Harris, who I love puts in some good, some good words there, but we'll kind of see. It's it's great to get in on him. Not really early because you've seen some of those offers, but we've seen Mike Boynton land some big-time guys, so maybe Dink Pate is the next, and I hope so because I just love the name. And I'll just point it out. They offered him on on my birthday, so yeah. if, you wanna, if you like Omen, He's a lock. Yeah, going to Oklahoma <laughs> State, no doubt about it. Let the crystal balls start flowing in. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, Dustin, before we move on into a quick baseball softball breakdown, we'll take a break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is 
absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies with over 100 schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, home field apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out and use our promo code FEELS12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order. And all orders over $100 get free shipping at Home Field Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. All right, Dustin, I think you and I made an executive decision. We're going to like sidestep softball this week because that was just really kind of disappointing. Um, obviously, swept by Oklahoma and Norman. Not necessarily shocking. Um, just disappointing they couldn't get the bats going. Yeah, it was tough. You know, game one, Kelly Maxwell takes the loss, seven runs in six innings. But really, Cade, we saw it kind of consistently through the first two games. OU was capital on OSU's defensive mistakes. There were, yeah, for there sure. Was, I think there was like throwaway on a double play that extended the inning. OU scored like four runs with two outs. There was a similar situation later in the game on an error that extended the inning and more runs with two outs. Sidney Pennington knocked in Chelsea Alexander for OSU's only run in that one, lost seven to one. Game two, I thought Morgan Day, you know, she pitched well. This team is just once they see you one time through the lineup, you're screwed as a pitcher. They just they're too good. They're the monsters from Space Jam, and we don't have Michael Jordan. Man, and they do. They do. Like in yeah. Justin Allen, they are the monsters, and they have Michael Jordan. So that's not they're the cool. monsters with Michael Jordan. Yeah, that's what I'm like. I don't even think that's fair. Uh, <laughs> they really are so good, and you have to almost tip your cap. It's like they you give them one inch. And that's what Oklahoma State did multiple times in this series. And now they they, they were not going to win that series making the mistakes they made. Those were big mistakes. Those were mistakes that would get you beat by a lesser team. They would get you beat by Texas. Like, honestly, the the when I felt like the tide changed in, in the series, believe it or not, I thought that missed double play opportunity in the third inning in the first game. Like, I don't know if that – took the wind out of the sails so to speak but it didn't help because right after that Justin Allen knocks in a base hit scores a run and then you know you've got uh uh Terry Jennings hits a three-run homer over over center field wall that was and it's killer. and it's four nothing in the blink of an eye and it felt like I thought Oklahoma State had played with an edge up until that point obviously it was three innings but like it just I wouldn't be surprised if that was like a oh you got to be kidding me we were going to be out of that and and then they didn't get out of it so and and you're right it was the same thing in game two it was it's not until the third the third inning until you had their like five run onslaught but Morgan Day pitched great the first two it's just once once these batters see you from OU they just dominate the next time around they know your tendencies they know all your pitches they know what's going on you know Patty Gasso I, I hate giving OU any credit she's she's a great coach she coaches these girl, girls up well. They're probably one of the best softball hitting teams of all time. Then in game three, kid, we said on here, two games was the goal, but getting one. We both thought they were going to get one. Thought they were going to do it in game I did, three. I did for sure. We get a buzz bomb, which, you know, Haley's been stomping a little bit this season. She gets a two-run homer 
Oklahoma State has that two a two run lead, and then they're just not able to hold on. I think it ended what five to three. Yeah, it was really close, but no, not a big drop for OSU in the standings. They dropped from six to nine. They're still seventh in RPI because losing to one of the greatest teams of all time three times isn't really that big of a deal for your RPI and for your ranking. Yeah. But you know they've got some of their better hitters. You know, Bree Evans is slumping right now. She's someone we've seen hitting close to 400. She's back down to 285. They've dropped all the way down, Cade, to 51st in batting average. We've yeah. pretty much consistently talked about them in the mid to high 20s. And over the past couple of weeks, they've just kind of fell off, and this OU series did not help. So the bats got to get going. you got the Big 12 tournament starting Thursday. How do you, how do you think they fare? They got, they got Kansas first, and then they'd take the winner of Texas and Texas Tech, and then they, they'd eventually have to face OU on Saturday in the final because we're all pretty sure OU is going to get there. They get the one by. Do you think? Do you think they make it to the final against OU? Yeah, I think? I think they're staring a rematch right in the face. I mean, they, granted, you you hit on it. The bats were already cooling off in going into that series, and you hoped that something changed, and it didn't. Um, something has to change this week, or they'll get beat by a Texas. I mean, it's just plain and simple. They got to yeah. start hitting the ball better. They got to start scoring with runners in position because they. The run, the, the runners that they had, they didn't knock in they, and they had opportunities in Norman getting does thrown it, out at the plate. Does, yeah. Which was crazy. I mean, I think it was one out on that play where, where she rounds third and it's, <sighs> it's dead it was, to right yeah. situation. Like it felt like an out anyway, it, it's a terrible medium to be breaking down specific plays that you can't see as we talk <laughs> about them. But I do think that they they have to heat up quickly, uh, and if not, they will they will be disappointed. But they've got a chance to do it, and I I think it's hard to beat the same team four times in a row. Personally, yeah. Well, hopefully they're able to kind of. You got to play perfect against OU. You have and to play perfect. Oklahoma That's State well did said. not do that this weekend, and I'm I'm not saying they're not a bad fielding team. I think they're still like eighth in fielding percentage in the country, but you have to play perfect if you want to beat OU. And they didn't do that, and so they, they didn't win any of the games. But we'll see how it goes. I don't, I don't know if they're going to be a super regional host now. If they won the Big 12 tournament, maybe that gets them in there. But I think, I think you'd almost have to win it or at least play OU really well to get into that mix. They're still going to host a regional. I just don't know. I don't know if they're going to get a top eight seed now, unless, unless Cade, you think, you think differently. I, I, don't, I don't think any differently. Um, I think you're spot on. Spot on. Um, Dustin, a couple of quick things before we move into uh, into listener questions here. Big 12 golf. I, I Did think you want to hit can... baseball? Oh, I, I guess I do want to hit baseball, don't I? <laughs> well, I, mean, I, mean, I knew we were hitting softball. I'll hit first, baseball, but... and Griffin Dorshin continues to hit baseballs. How about that? <laughs> he continues to hit them over left field in O'Brate Stadium more specifically because, my gosh, the bats that Oklahoma State softball needs – I think Oklahoma State baseball is withholding. There's something going on oh, here. They're, the bats are so – so we've consistently talked about Oklahoma State being in the high 100s in batting average. They're down to 101 in the country now in batting average at 284 team average. And they've con- they just continue to be hot. They sweep <laughs> Southeast Missouri State. They run rule them in seven innings on Sunday. And like you talked about, games two and three were just a home run derby. It was, it was almost funny. Like if, cause I don't know about you. I, I was not lucky enough to be able to stream the game. 
on uh, Watch Oak State or whatever that is. Um, so I had to watch it on Twitter. I had to watch uh, our, our beautiful Twitter account, which is fantastic. I had to watch it through there. And it was almost funny how often I would open my phone and Rock Riggio is hitting a homer or Griffin Dorsing is hitting a homer or Nolan McLean is smashing one over the center field wall. I mean, it's just, uh, they're fun right now, man. And they are, I mean, they literally could, it could not be at a better time. Yeah, hundred percent. The the trio of Campbell, Morrill, and McLean in Game One pitching a shutout, yeah. total of sixteen strikeouts. Campbell's up in the Big Twelve, like he leads the Big Twelve in strikeouts, I think, by like twenty something strikeouts. He's he's a okay, that's a first round pick and possibly a high first round pick. Yeah, in the and- MLB draft, Caden Trinkle's been hot. Everybody has been hot. I mean, we don't even need to break down game by game because they get a went 11 to six in game two and then 15 to three in game three. I just more kind of overall, you talked about rock. He's on a six game hit streak. Jake Thompson has reached base in 12 straight games. Thompson Brown Bay Griffin Dorshing and Earhart are all batting above 300 and Ian Doherty, the freshman catcher who's been playing a little bit more now over chase Atkinson. He's batting 298, 13 hits in 14 games from a clean Marcus Brown, who may be the most underrated player on the team, batting 322, is on a five-game hit streak. They're just batting out of control. And the pitching, Osmond struggled a little bit on Saturday, but that was his first bad outing in about five outings. Campbell's been rock solid. We've seen Moore really come on. Bogus has been great. Trevor Martin started the Sunday game and pitched four beautiful innings. Yep. So as long as the pitching can hold up, the bats are fire hot right now yeah yeah no doubt about it and i mean you're gonna need it texas tech still hits the ball a lot so i think the fireworks uh in stillwater this week based on those two teams offensively i think there will be plenty of them uh will be a really fun series i'll actually be up there in stillwater this weekend can't wait for that so regardless the the bats are nuts the the bullpen seems to have figured some things out i know there was some some uh chatter about that uh in the middle of the season so it seems like things are coming down there and the bats just can't i mean they can't they can't be cooled off right now you hope it's not this coming week so we'll knock on wood there um but i mean huge series coming up against texas tech at home yeah and so they've got they've got dallas baptist tomorrow who's six in RPI right now, which the baseball RPI compared to the rankings right now is wild. D1 Baseball wrote an article about it. Texas Tech is ranked 10th, I believe, in their poll, and they're 47th in RPI. Wow. It just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. But Dallas Baptist is good. We beat them earlier this season. Come in. I, I don't know. I think you kind of have to just throw your back-end bullpen guys in that game and maybe just take the loss because you need to go four and two. against Texas Tech and Baylor. You need no more than two losses because TCU is right on your heels. I believe they're three games back in the loss column because they played one more series. But they've got Kansas as their last Big 12 series. They're probably sweeping them. So Oklahoma State can only really afford two losses. You need to sweep Baylor. They're 74th in RPI. And you got to – I think you win two. The goal is two against Texas Tech, I think. So if they're able to come in and do that, like we talked about, when you when you can go Campbell more Campbell for seven innings, Huey that's the setup guy, and then McLean to come in in the ninth with how the bats are going right now, it's pretty impossible to lose that. Knock on wood. And then if the <laughs> if the pitchers can just hold up on Saturday and Sunday with how the hitting has been, it I, I think they can easily go four and two. Yeah, I think they easily could as well. 
let Dustin, give me your, your gut check. I think they will. I think they will go at least four and two. I frankly will go five and one. I think they will. Oh man. I don't want to go out on this limb, but I, th- I think they're going to sweep tech this weekend. They're like, they're that. hot. Tech isn't like they're, they're hot offensively, but tech is not playing all that great. And I think both teams are kind of going, they've had a opposite. weird season. They have had a strange season. They go, they go up and down. And um, so really you never know what you're going to get with them, but I'm, I'm going to go with the hotter team. The more consistently hot team is Oklahoma state. And I think it's a bad weekend to be an eight. I really do. Yeah, I, I agree. I could definitely see the sweep over tech. I think they sweep at least one of these series. I might lean towards Baylor, but I, I like the five. I'm like like the five and one call. I as think well. they're going to have it locked up by Friday of next week. That's that's my prediction. I like that. I yeah. like that a lot. All right, man. A couple of quick things. Obviously, I think we had even talked about this last week. Thought Oklahoma State would have a difficult time getting the win in Big Twelve golf. Came very close though. Very close. Yeah. And in disappointing fashion. But Oklahoma, I mean, again, I I hate this is not an OU podcast, so we will not praise them. Uh, But obviously it goes away with the Big 12 title. Anything jump out at you about that? Oklahoma State has three guys finishing the top 10. Yeah. So Oklahoma State is going to be hosting a regional. But since OU is hosting in Norman at Jimmy Austin and they're the higher seed, they're the one seed overall. Oklahoma State gets to host in Columbus. I believe last time they hosted there. They did really, really well. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. So they host there. You've got some teams like Georgia Tech, Arkansas, Clemson, Ohio State's there, which sucks. They're like the four seed, five seed, but they get to play at their own course. So it's a 54-hole tournament, May 16th through 18th. The top five teams advance in men. So expect Oklahoma State to advance to the national championship in Greyhawk in Arizona. And I think the only other go- golf note I had was uh, Eugenio Chikara was named one of the three finalists for the Ben Hogan Award for, wow. for best golfer, college golf. So that's that phenomenal. is that's pretty awesome. But Cade, what, what do you think? I mean, I think they finish in the top five for sure. I, I would expect them to win the regional. I would think so for sure. I think they're going to win, and I think they'll head to nationals. And it'll be interesting. Any, anything can happen there. We've seen it before, but um, yeah, it. <sighs> Yeah, it's fun. If know. you don't watch, if you never watch, they have it on golf channel and it's a lot of fun to watch. The it is. I will. I mean, do we want it? We don't want to get into the whole match play thing. Do we? That's that, oh, that whole conversation. <laughs> Exhausting. We can and, probably do that on the next pod before. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can gripe about it next week after it screws us. So, uh, all right, Dustin, one other thing before we move into questions, Daniel Cormier getting inaugurated oh, announced that he was going to be into the UFC hall of fame. That yeah. was a pretty cool moment. Seeing that go viral on Twitter, hugging on pumped. Joe Rogan. He was Loved pumped it. crying. Like it was, it was pretty cool. And he's still a very large man. <laughs> yes, he is. And it, I didn't know Seth Duckworth wrote the article that I was reading. I didn't know that Oklahoma state had two people in there already. I was assuming Randy Couture is probably in there and Don Fry, but I didn't know they were. So that was the first thought that popped in my head is who from Oklahoma state, because they've had so many mixed martial arts guys who is in the UFC hall of fame. But so Daniel Cormier will be the third in there. That's so that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. I think, I think there, it's June 30th is the induction in uh, T-Mobile arena in Las Vegas. So that'll be, that'll be really cool, but pump for him. He's a great guy. He reps Oklahoma state and he's fun to, listen to on the UFC calls. So if you, he is. if you don't listen, if you don't know who he is, definitely check him out. Cause he's an awesome guy. 
out. No doubt about it. You got any bold takes on who's the fourth cowboy to go into the UFC Hall of Fame? I mean, I think AJ Ferrari is going to be going WWE, but yeah, I would, I would like to say him. Yeah, I, I'll go uh, if it has to be somebody on the current roster. Actually, you know what? Let's pull in Lee couple, here in a couple of weeks. We'll talk to him about it then. Our, our friend over at Dynasty Defined. We'll let him answer that question. <laughs> All right, Dustin, moving into uh, some listener questions. I have no audio questions this week. So it's straight from Twitter. Yeah, so we'll go to those. Oh, and Cade, women's golf, they're in regional play right now. They're third after round one. So you got two more rounds to go. They need to finish it's the top four in women's. Okay. That's in Stillwater. So they'll go at it again tomorrow and then finish on Wednesday. So best of luck to the ladies. We hope they advance. They've had a lot of talented players leave the team. So it'd be a pretty big kind of, you know, not comeback story because there's still a lot of talent on that roster, but it'd be awesome to see them advance the nationals. So, yep, yep, no doubt about it. All right. So we've got geo pokes at geo pokes. I think he's asked, asked us a question before, but if not geo pokes, thank you for the question. He says, convince me to double down on men's basketball season tickets. Cade, Oh, him into it. what do you want me to say? I mean, Dustin and I are there all the time. Um, so outside of that obvious fact, I mean, do I really need to go down the list? Uh, beer's not all that expensive. You got, you got Curdy Shack up in there. You got, I think you got, yeah, you have Curdy Shack and Coney Island and Jay. You got one of those. And if you got one, yeah, the, con- the concession stands are great. And that's all you all need. The Oklahoma State you definitely have Chick-fil-A and you also have the ability to watch Oklahoma State basketball live and in person in a, in a rowdy GIA. And it was it got rowdy a few times last year, and I think it'll be uh, even more so this year with the band and we, uh, not hanging over their head. I'll be there. we talked to you about the two, uh, the two transfer portal guys we think are coming in. And you know what? Just to talk you into it, I think we're going to get Courtney Ramey too. I don't hey. really think that 100%, but I'm going to talk I, you into it with that. Does that have any impact on season ticket prices? Because if so, I don't think I don't know. Yeah. Get them, get them now. Absolutely. Geo folks. Hopefully, hopefully we talked you into it there. We did, <laughs> we did our best. So and then we, I, if just the last thing we'll be there, you and I are there yes. all the time. Yeah. So. You can hang out with us. We'll buy you a beer. Yeah. So well, bribery now. No, so you'll buy on. us the beer, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then we answered M's question. M thanks. You always ask great questions there. Uh, we got Corbin Corbett Klein at Corbett Klein. He said, what do you see as the role for Braylon Presley this year? Is he a possible red shirt with the wide receiver core as deep as it is? Will he play a little running back or run jet sweeps? Cade, what do you, what do you think we see from Braylon Presley? Is he a guy that gets some run this year? Or do you think he's a plays a little bit in the four game limit and then red shirts? Yeah, that's actually a really good point, Dustin. I, Unless he comes in and he's just too good to keep off the field, I think it's a really good redshirt candidate. But he's also probably a really good candidate to slot in literally right behind his brother and back him up. So it just depends on how ready he comes into play. He wasn't he wasn't uh, around in spring camp, so not a lot of weight being put on in the offseason, I wouldn't expect. So is he ready is really the, the main question. If he's ready, I bet he plays all season. If he's not, I, I, I bet he plays four games early and that's it. Yeah, you hit on it. I think with him not being in in the spring, I think he's a guy that we see a little bit in the non-conference, especially if Oklahoma State's up a little bit. But I don't know why, with how much talent they have at receiver this year, and I do think he's going to play receiver to answer that part of the question. I don't know why, other than some you know kind of specialty plays early on, that you would make him a key piece when you've got him going forward. You could redshirt him. You can wait for some of these guys like 
Braden Johnson, who are going to move on, who we've seen play on the inside. And then Braylon can kind of step into that after a year in the program. But this is one of the best high school football players I've ever watched film on. Like so maybe Bush. he comes in and he's just, just too good. But I'm going to go with you. I think he's a redshirt candidate guy, unless obviously there's injuries or something like that. Yeah, I'm with you, man. All right, next up we got Smokey Pokey at T Bowman, sixty-four. Oh, sorry, he was just he's just commenting on the Braylon Presley as well. So shout out to you, Smokey Pokey, for tagging us in that. Thank you. Um, and then we've got our guy, Coach. At Curse of Cowboys, he always gives us the over-unders. Football points per game at the end of the season, per game average, he's got the line set at 33, Cade, over-under. And I'll tell you that last season it was 31.1. 2020 it was 30.2. 2019 it was 32.5. And 2018 was the first time it was above that 33 line at 38.4. But the Mason Rudolph seasons before that, it was quite a bit higher. So, yeah, boy, been a little bit under, but the Mason Rudolph and then the Taylor Cornelius year, they were above. Yeah, Cornelius does not get the credit he deserves, just for the record. (laughs) That's that's pretty surprising, but honestly, it's it's kind of uh, not all that surprising either. But what I will say, I'll take the. Golly, I'll take the over here. I think the the fact that it's running back by committee uh, gives me a little pause that the ground game will be dynamic enough and it's going to force them to spread it out. And because of that, I think naturally they will score more points. Um, I think they also, we've talked about this, they'll probably speed things up. They'll probably incorporate more spread into the offense. I'll take the over. Um, and I think I would put it probably somewhere around like the 37. I think they could score 38 points a game this year. Yeah. I don't even know if I have anything to add to that. You laid it out perfectly. You know, last year they relied on the defense. You lost some pieces there. I know both of us think the defensive line is going to be great and we're not concerned about the linebackers or the back end, but the coaches may be due to some experience issues there, especially if there were some injuries talked about running back by committee. Casey Dunn's been going to coaching clinics talking about tempo. We've heard him talk about tempo. We saw it in the Notre Dame game. I think they're going to go tempo. So I think more points just get scored to your point. And I think, I think I'm going to go over, but yeah, not way over like that 36 to 38, 39 range. So I love that question though. Keep, please keep sending those over unders. Those are really fun to answer here, here in a little bit, we're going to start demanding that somebody sponsors that segment of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent. And so Kate, our last, our last question for this week is Weston at CW Mason 92. He says, how big of an impact will having the bye week so early in the year have? And if just for the listeners, if you don't know where the bye week is, Oklahoma state goes central Michigan, Arizona state, Arkansas pine bluff on September 17th. Then they'd get the open week on September 24th and then October 1st at Baylor and then big 12 play. There is not a break week in between all the way until the West Virginia finale season finale. I think it adds to an already difficult conference schedule. Um, that bye week being so early, it, it has happened before. Uh, I can't remember the year. I need to go back and look, but it's happened. Last before. year was pretty early. Was it not? Yeah, but it wasn't that early. No, it was not. And Gundy has mentioned that he doesn't, he doesn't like this at yeah, all. Yeah. I, I you need think, it in the mid, you need it like in the middle of big 12 play. That's I, the gauntlet. 
I totally agree. You want it coming right before like a stretch run against Baylor, TCU, OU, or you, I, when it sets up right before that stretch run is, is when it is, is at the best time. Uh, you do get early October 22nd by week though, uh, against Texas. Yeah, that's, that is pretty helpful. Uh, but we don't need a bye week for freaking Texas. So no, I mean, I'm just counting. Oh, you're, oh. By way. <laughs> oh, wow. Boy. Uh, maybe we have a like fart noise or something for me. Not the joke flew right over my head, Dustin, but that was well, done. no, but, but seriously, the Kansas one <laughs> should count. Yeah. That's a good point. You do have a built-in by week there. Yeah. Oh man. My bad, my bad for uh, totally whiffing on your beautiful. No, I, I don't, I, it was a bad joke, but I don't, uh, I don't like it. I don't like it that early. I, you wanted at least after a couple of big 12 games, I think to your point. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, for for reasons where you may have a player get dinged up a little bit earlier in the year, potentially get them healthy and get them back ready for that stretch run, it's a little little tough. Um, but I, again, I think the schedule was already tough enough that all that really does is add to it, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree, hundred percent. And that's that's all the questions for this week. So thanks everybody for asking the questions. It's been I know we say it every week, but we really appreciate getting at least like five or six questions and. The past couple of weeks, we've even had one or two audio. So thanks so much. We love answering them. And especially during this part of the off season and when baseball and softball end, we definitely will need, we always want them, but we'll definitely need them during the kind of the, the down period. So continue to keep sending them in and we'll keep answering them. Yeah. Hey, Dustin, just one quick uh, update uh, as we've been sitting here talking. DeAndre Jackson is in Stillwater right now. Uh, so has, oh, awesome. Okay. Has, bumped up the timeline and and is visiting right now so uh that's pretty awesome cool yeah, glad he's getting there to check out campus he just tweeted Stillwater, i'm home so uh pretty cool there uh, if you see him say what's up but anyway dustin <laughs> appreciate you brother uh again i'll be better about uh spotting your brilliant jokes when i see them uh, next week i will i will come ready to play uh next week so i appreciate yeah. you appreciate all of our listeners uh all of our followers on twitter uh keep at it leave us a review if you can i don't know if you've seen this dustin we've got quite a few um so maybe one of these days we play the leave us a terrible review and roast us make it five stars but tell us something you hate about us maybe oh, that's something that. you could just go ahead and do right now like maybe maybe yeah. do that uh but anyway dustin appreciate you uh if you're not already follow us on twitter at feels like 45 pod you can follow Dustin at Dust Ragu and follow me at Cade Webb. And hopefully by the time we talk next week, Dustin, there's not one, but there's two new Oklahoma State basketball commits that we get to break down. So hopefully that's the case. All right. We'll talk to you then. Go Pokes.